Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and this is Life Over Coffee. I had a friend write in and say he is going through a divorce. His wife is getting the children, and he had some questions, some key ideas, general principles, things that he could think about as he goes through this humongous transition in his life. There are five big events in our life. Everything else is just kind of ordinary. The first event is being born. Second event, hopefully being born again. The third event is being married. The fourth is having children. And then the fifth is dying. Well, divorce is not supposed to be in that equation at all because this is not how things ought to be, as we learn in Matthew 19. But sometimes, and we know because of fallenness, things happen and people do get divorced. And so that really moves it up into one of these one of these big events in our lives. And so that's six now when it should be just five. But the question is, when divorce happens, how do you work through it? How do you manage? What are some things that you need to know? Well, I have developed an episode here, and I want to share with you some of the key ideas to think about if you are going through a divorce. The title of this is episode 419. It's your ex-spouse has the kids and you are afraid. Let me share with you some of the things that I shared with my friend. Divorce is an unending complexity. I mean, even those who breathe a sigh of relief because it is over, they are not immune from the challenges of what a divorce will bring upon them. People who have never been there really have no clue. And I know many times that people in tough marriages will look at divorce as that is the path that I want to take because it is a a better, easier path. It, it is greener grass on the other side. And in some ways, that could be the case if you're in a horrifically abusive situation where you really do have no choice and it is the right thing to do. But generally speaking, it is not. And reconciliation is the best path to take for the fame of God, for your your own sanctification, and also for the children. So even those who do breathe a sigh of relief because now they can get away from that spouse, there is a complication that is in front of them, and they're going to go right into it. And by the way, it is generational because this impacts the children, and statistically speaking, it will impact their children as well. And so divorce is a multi-generational decision. Now, I don't know the state of anybody's marriage, and so I can't I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I mean, it could be that that is the thing that you have to do because of specific circumstances. But in most cases, most cases it's not, and I would just encourage anyone to think twice and three times before they make that decision. But suppose that you were living through an unwanted divorce, or maybe you know someone who is. The ex-spouse has primary custody of the children. What are some key things that you would want to know? What are common mistakes that people generally make? 
What are proper responses to your spouse, to your children? What's the proper response to your new lifestyle? Well, what I want to do in episode 419 is I want to share a few thoughts for the spouse whose world just turned upside down. And the first thing that I want to say is that you no longer have influence. Once you divorce, you you no longer have a primary influence like you had before. You can't lead. You can't guide. You can't shape. You really have no vote whatsoever. Now, what that means is, and again, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but what that means is that all bets are off. Your ex-spouse can do literally anything now. They can move out of the house, of course, that's what a divorce typically implies, but they can also move across the country. They can remarry. They can have more children that aren't your children. They can change jobs. They can change their kids' schools. Maybe they were homeschooled, and now they your your spouse decides to put them in a, in a public school. They could walk away from from the faith. They could change faith, and you could just fill in the blank. What you will see, there is no question, what you will see is incremental and ongoing change for the rest of your life that you have virtually no influence over. Now, again, I'm not saying that to be negative, but what what has to happen here is that a person who is going through a divorce has to shake themselves and they have to come to reality of where they are. What happens often is that when you go through, like, say, a divorce, the temptation is to interpret and to respond the way things have always been. And you can still act like a, try to act like a married person and think that you have influence or some kind of management over the situation, but you don't. You don't, and that's why you need to hear this. Again, not to be critical or to be hyper-negative, but this is the new reality, and so you want to ask God to, again, shake your soul, take your soul to task. God, help me to see things as they are so that I can live in reality, and that will also help you to guard your heart, as I will talk about later. And so point number one, you have no more influence. And tied to that is that your children will have a life that they did not choose, and their life will be more complex than it was prior to. And so what you don't want to do is to make this about you. You want to think about your children and how best to serve them according to where they are and according to the reality of the situation, as I've been trying to outline. And so you don't want to make it about you. You don't want to parent out of fear. Now, that will be a huge temptation, too, because as you see these incremental changes, I mentioned several of them that could happen. As I said, all bets are off now. And you don't have really any kind of influence anymore. The temptation would be to parent out of fear. In these show notes here, episode 419, I have a lot of links here. And I would just appeal to you. I would exhort you to take advantage of these show notes. Like all of our resources, I carefully craft them with intentionality so that anybody could take our resources and use them like a life development project or a a homework assignment. This 30-minute podcast is not going to be a sufficient treatment of how to work through this complex issue of losing your family, but I do have a lot of links here, and, and you 
you could spend six months. You could bookmark episode 419, and you could spend six months working through these embedded links and the other resources that I have here. For example, right at the very top, there are three articles. One of them's titled, The Victim of an Unwanted Divorce Learns to Forgive. You're going to have to learn that because resentment is going to creep in. Soul noise is going to amp up. It is very possible that you could become bitter and eventually you can have an unforgiving spirit. And you may never transact forgiveness with your ex-spouse, but you do have to have an attitude of forgiveness towards your ex-spouse. If you don't, you will be incarcerated spiritually. And so this article, The Victim of an Unwanted Divorce, learns to forgive. There's another one here, 10 Things to Know About Divorced Children. That's why I was saying earlier, don't make this a about you. It is about you, and that will be the temptation. But if ever having the mind of Christ where you esteem others more than yourself is essential, this is that time. And so you want to parent them those children, and I'll talk about how to do that with some practical ideas in a moment, but you want to make it about them. You want to make sure that you're not coming from a fear-centered perspective. I would encourage you to take advantage of this article here, 10 things to know about divorced children. And then I have another one, six keys for enduring an unwanted divorce. Now that would be essential as well, in addition to all the other embedded links that I have here. As you don't make it about you, and as you parent their fears, because they they are going to have some deep-seated insecurities. Uh, they're going to struggle. They may be acting out. They could internalize it depending on the personality, the constitution of each unique child if you have more than one. And so you want to represent Christ to them, and that's why you want to shake yourself and live in reality so that you can get ahead of this thing so that you can truly show up to be there for them, even though it's going to be in a limited way. And so the first point is that you have no more influence. You don't have primary influence anymore. The second thing is that you will be a part-time parent. Now, what I mean by that, if you could think about this as as living in two circles, like the circle of, of life, And this circle is where you have always lived with your spouse and your children. And everything you do, it's just easy to connect with your spouse and with your children. I mean, you could go to the the mailbox and, and come back and interact with a child. You could take a child to the grocery store. You could take the family to a church meeting on Sunday morning. Those are things that you really don't have to plan. They are spontaneous and they take no work. And you live with in that circle and you just enjoy and do life together, that's normal. Well, now what has happened is that your spouse has created another circle that you are not in. And so you go to the grocery store and they go to another grocery store. You go to this church, they go to that church. You don't intersect anymore. And so in order for you to have any kind of parenting with your children, you have to shut down this circle over here. You can't do anything. You can't go to the mailbox. You can't go to the grocery store. 
you have to shut all this down and you have to go and get inside their circle doing what they are doing and connecting with them. And then when you're done, after a few hours or whatever, you can come back and resume your life. And so that's how you are going to live from this point forward. It is a part-time parent. Now, that will also that will also change. It will change because what will happen as your children grow older, they will begin to develop their own relationships. They will begin to build their friend list, their unique lives they will begin to carve out. And so they will move away from your ex-spouse, which will move even further away from you, and you'll have even less of an influence, less than a part-time parent. Again, I am not saying this uh, to be negative, but you have to get out in front of this, recognizing that primary influence is gone. You can't guide shape anymore. You're a part-time parent. Now there are two circles of lives that you have to interact with, and that will continue. Your time with them will continue to reduce as they grow older. And now because of these things, you will have to guard your heart against multiple temptations. And again, I would appeal to you to take advantage of these links that I have here because I'm going to say things, but yet you need to spend time reflecting and studying on the very things that I am saying because it's going to take work and you have to do the work. So for example, never argue with your ex-spouse. Never argue with your ex-spouse. Anger does not bring forth the righteousness of God. Sinful anger does not create or perpetuate the righteousness of God. Think about your children. Uh, Your children do not need that added complexity. Uh, The tectonic plates of their lives have already shifted dramatically. And now when the parents continue to argue and bicker and biting and devouring one another, I'm not suggesting that you are, but I know that that is a temptation. And if that is the temptation, it's just going to compound the complexity that they are already dealing with. By the way, Arguing with your spouse is manipulation. I mean, sinful anger, that's what it is. It is a manipulative tactic to try to coerce or to uh, make something happen. That's why I spent a little bit of time talking about you don't have that influence anyway. And so if you use anger to try to make some kind of course correction in her life or their lives, it's not going to work. You don't have that influence. And so any kind of anger used as a manipulative tactic, well, it's it's going to collapse on you, and it will make the relationships even more complex. And so never argue with your spouse. Again, arguing is a self-reliant uh, technique in order to control things the way that you want to control things. So you manipulate people through arguing. And if that's a temptation, ask God to remove that from you. Number two, never talk negatively about your ex-spouse especially for your children, but that's not how we should talk about anybody anyway. Uh, That's not communication that redeems. That's not communication that builds up. And so don't talk negatively to your ex-spouse by arguing, point number one. Don't talk negatively about your ex-spouse. That's another form of anger. And then number three, Don't manipulate the children through self-pity, and also don't weaponize them. Uh, 
And so make sure we can do this unwittingly. Uh, we, we caught down south, the southern part of the United States. We call it being a, a poor mouth. We just, we, oh, just poor me. Oh, I'm just, it's, it's a po mouth. It, it, poor me, poor old me. I, I'm just having a terrible life. It's kind of eorish, and you want to guard against that because you can get down in the dumps. And if you get down in the dumps, you're despairing. Well, if that is what's going on in your heart, then these these words are going to come out of your mouth, and it will have a that self-pity, it will have a, a manipulating effect on the children because it will compound what they are struggling through already, which is why I am saying, do not make it about you. And so hear yourself talk. Listen to yourself talk. And if it sounds like self-pity, then again, you want to take that and repent of it and ask God to take it away from you. Now, tied to that also, you can manipulate the children through self-pity. You can manipulate the children through uh, weaponizing them. Uh, And they can create a hostility toward the other parent and and using the children as a, a device uh, to divide, well, that's just evil. That's just evil. And so, again, guarding your heart, that's, a, that's another self-reliant temptation. These things that I'm talking about are under the header of self-reliant temptations. Self-reliance is relying on yourself, not relying on God. If you're arguing with your spouse, you are relying on yourself, trying to manipulate your spouse. If you talk negatively about your spouse, again, you are manipulating uh, the children. If you go through self-pity, even if it's unwitting, you're not even aware of it, you're not relying on God because self-pity is not relying on God. Or if you weaponize them to be divisive, again, that's self-reliant. And then retaliating toward your ex-spouse overtly or covertly. Either way, it doesn't matter. And so all of these are forms of retaliation, but I wanted to give it its own line item nevertheless. And so guard against self-reliant temptations. And so what I've shared so far in episode 419, your ex-spouse has the kids and you are afraid. Recognize that you have no more influence or primary influence over the situation. All bets are off. Stuff is going to happen, and you're not going to like a lot of it. Number two, you are a part-time parent, and so you have to learn how to live in these two different lives that now uh, that you have. Number three, you have there will be self-reliant temptations, and so you don't want to try to manipulate the situation through the various means that I have listed. And then number four, what to do. What are some of the things that you need to do? Well, one, take fearful thoughts captive. Not having influence over something and watching something unfold right in front of your eyes that you do not like is one of the most challenging things about divorce and divorce with children. And so you're going to have fearful thoughts. And that was the question that you put forth to me in the first place. And that's why I titled the the podcast uh, as I did. And so you will have to practice. You This will take work. 
This is a mortification issue. Uh, Taking your thoughts captive is not like flipping a switch on and off. Oh, I'm afraid. Flip the switch. I'm no longer afraid. It doesn't work that way. It will be an ongoing battle. Part of why it's an ongoing battle, because there will be ongoing temptations to be afraid as you see things roll out before you that you have no influence over. And so learn to take fearful thoughts captive, and I have a resource here about that. Regularly repent of your sin. Anger will probably, well, fear uh, would be one, and then anger would be another. And but, but anger will be the one that will be very common that people will really be affected by. And so make sure you understand the doctrine of repentance and that you practice repentance as often as you need to. Number three, be civil uh, toward your ex-spouse. That is the implication of the things that I said uh, as far as self-reliant temptations. No arguing, no negative talking. Uh, no weaponizing the children, no retaliating overtly or covertly. You want to be civil toward uh, your ex-spouse. You want to create as much shalom as you possibly can in an aggravated situation. Number four, you want to paint a portrait of Jesus. Now, what I mean by that is that your your children now, in a way, they are sitting in the bleachers and they're watching two competitors. They've watched these two competitors battle it out until they decided to get a divorce and, and but they're continuing to watch. And so they will observe you, they will observe your spouse, and we are not static human beings. We are fluid. We will be either maturing in Christ's likeness or we will be growing in immaturity away from Christ. And so what you want to do is you want to paint a portrait of Christ so that they see Christ in you. Think about it this way. As as these children leave the nest eventually and, and create their own autonomous domestic empires as they get married possibly and, and build their families, well, they're going to look back on the two primary influences in their lives, which was their daddy and their and their mommy. And, and there will be pictures that will be painted. There will be two portraits. If they look at a, a manipulating, anger-controlling man, for example, well, that has no appeal whatsoever. That's not compelling. That will not draw them. If they look at a, a, a gnarled, up, bitter, unforgiving, critical mother, well, that will be non-compelling as well. But what if you look like Christ. So you could take Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and you could list out those nine things. And when your children look at you, they see joy and they see peace. They see self-control. And and when they see the evidence, the fruit in your life that looks like Christ, well, then that will have a compelling power. I said earlier that you have no influence, uh, no primary influence over your children's lives. You don't. 
but Christ does. And so if Christ is growing in you and animating in you, then that's the portrait that you, that is the thing that you can control. That is the influence that you can have. And so this is probably the most important point that I can make. I have talked about putting off some things and renewing your mind and don't fall into certain traps. Well, now I'm talking about putting on something that is that is very special. And so paint a portrait of Christ at every step of the way. They see your love and your joy and your peace, and they see your self-control. No matter what your wife or your spouse does, you have the control of presenting a portrait that looks like Jesus. And so I would appeal to you to figure out what that looks like. That's easy, Galatians. And then what you need to do to chunk whatever it is that you need to get rid of, repent of, and then put on these beautiful Christ-like characteristics. And then, uh, number five, my appeal to you would be to connect with community. You have to connect with community. And depending on your age, uh, people go through divorce at different times, but the middle-aged person, for example, they're too old for the singles and too single for the marrieds. And so you're in an odd place. It is an odd place, but you can't pull back from community. You can't isolate. You need to engage in community because the temptations will be strong, and they will come in unsuspecting moments as you hear about one of these things that maybe your spouse has done or your children have done. When you hear about that, it will catch you off guard. And if you haven't been building that community, suffering in isolation is a very bad thing. And so this is episode 419. Your ex-spouse has the kids and you are afraid. I want to wrap up by giving you a few call to actions. And one of them I've already mentioned is the first thing that I mentioned here in the CTA, and that is please study and reflect on all the resources in these show notes. You got to do it. You got to do the work. And you're going to have to do it for the next six months or year, maybe even two years. It takes a long time. I mean, just emotionally to resettle uh, into this new lifestyle. And so the more you connect with community, the more you engage these resources here, uh, the better off that you're going to be. Now, number two, uh, how are you working through the regret of marriage and divorce? That will be a that will be a strong temptation. How are you working through uh, the regret of marriage and divorce? You have to wrestle uh, with that. Number three, how are you working through your new lifestyle, this settling into this new life that you have? What are uh, the most challenging aspects of this new life that you have? And then number four, are you connecting and building community, even though, as I said, you're could be too old for the singles and too single for the for the couples uh, in your life, but still yet you have to connect with community. And then number five, what are your temptations? Anger, fear, self-pity. I mentioned those earlier, and possibly you could list more, uh, but what about pornography, for example, or uh, fornication? for example. Uh, That is a temptation. Out of an angry heart, for example, you could choose to just, I'm just going to, just out of spite, 
uh, or maybe some kind of perverse justification that you moralize, you sanitize your reaction and, and you go do something, or you get into pornography or some other, what we call vice, some other sin, uh, because out of maybe out of a heart of self-pity, out of a heart of anger. And so what are your temptations? You need to be honest with these. And so I've asked you five things here, and then I want to finish with number six, because this is the one that you really have to, you need to initiate this today. Who's your mentor? Who's your mentor? And are you regularly connecting with your mentor? Yeah, who is your Paul? Everybody needs a Paul. Every Timothy needs a Paul. We need a we need a person that we can connect with that can speak into our lives. And the reason I'm saying that this is most important because I am going to appeal to you to share this resource, episode 419, with that person. And then all of these questions that I just asked you, those questions are for your mentor. And so I want y'all to work through it. You've got to do this. And so your responses to the questions, the five questions that I just asked you, and wrestling through these resources, you've got to get together with a buddy, with a friend, with a mentor who can meet with you real time, real space, and you can talk about these issues because this is tough. This is a complete new lifestyle that you did not ask for, but it is here, and you have to make a significant lifestyle change, and it will begin by as you adjust your heart and then begin to impact. Uh, your thought life, and then, of course, your responses to uh, your sphere of influence, especially your ex-spouse and your children. This is episode 419, Your Ex-Spouse Has the Kids, and You Are Afraid. If you have any questions, we do have a private community forum that you're welcome to get on, and you can ask questions, but we are not a counseling ministry. We cannot provide counseling. We are a training site where we equip people to do the work of discipleship, to do the work of biblical counseling. People do come to us with counseling questions, obviously, and we do give advice, but we're not able to do, as I was saying here, what a mentor can do in your real life, in your real space, looking you in the eye and talking about these these very complex problems that Christ does have an answer for. And so as a, in a supplemental way, please take advantage of what we have here, and it'll be a joy to serve you. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.